You are Locked On Fantasy, your daily NFL fantasy podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Fantasy Football Podcast. It's another week here as we kick it off and we give you the takeaways you need to know from the Sunday action there all across the NFL, how it pertains to fantasy football. A lot of interesting developments, a lot of surprises. It's already week two, and a lot of things we thought going into the season have been turned upside down here. So that's what we're going to break down for you on today's show. So action pack. we have to get through all 14 games there. We do have one more game to close the week here in week two when the Packers host the Lions. So good way to end the week. Some more fantasy football relevance there for sure. And a lot of matchups still need to be decided. A lot were decided there in that Chiefs-Ravens game. So exciting way to end Sunday's wild, wacky, unpredictable action. And we'll uh, see what we can do to make sense of it all here on this episode of Locked On Fantasy Football. We'll dive right in in a moment, but I first have to tell you, the Locked On NFL Draft podcast launches September 20th with brand new hosts. That's this week. Eric Crocker brings the player scouting. Ryan Tracy brings the analytics. Follow Locked On NFL Draft podcast on YouTube, the Odyssey app, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, let's get into this podcast, Locked On Fantasy Football, and we'll go around to all these games, so we'll get to all of them eventually, and I'll give you the most important takeaways that we've seen from all these games, let's go to the Saints-Panthers game. After the big performance for the Saints against the Packers there in Jacksonville, went to Carolina and Charlotte did not play well at all. James Winston came back down to earth. It's pretty evident they do not have reliable pass-catching weapons, and we knew that was a case there in Week 1. They didn't throw a lot to get those five touchdowns from James Winston. Winston comes crashing down here. Against this Panthers defense, young, fast, aggressive, made a lot of big plays here for Carolina. So Alvin Kamara, it's been rough early here as they can't get other parts of their offense going. They tried to get the traditional running game, but everyone's kind of keying on Kamara, making these receivers and tight ends beat them without Michael Thomas, and it just hasn't materialized here yet for the Saints. Last week it was fine because they were in the red zone and people were focusing on Kamara there, and they were scoring short touchdowns, but James Winston... Back to the mistakes. And this Panthers defense really got after. The Saints have a pretty good offensive line. But Panthers are really contained Kamara here. Give them a lot of credit. And they got after a big front there with Brian Burns, Hassan Reddick. So really disruptive defense here. The Panthers early in the season. They didn't give up those big plays that the Jets got with Zach Wilson and Corey Davis. So let me look at there with this Panthers team. I think they're going to be a force to be reckoned with defensively, and I think they are now a playoff contender. So, quick look at the Saints. Kamara, I think he will rebound, but he needs some help. He needs some legitimate uh, blocking here. Somebody to step up in the passing game to open things up in the running game. Otherwise, Kamara might have a tough go of it here. He did uh, score in week one off a reception, but really not very good in week two. I think he'll be fine. If you're going to go after someone, I think he's a good buy-low candidate for sure here because the Saints are going to get better. We hope there's not a change of quarterback to Taysom Hill because we know Hill kind of hurts Kamara's value. He was in the rushing attack there with Tony Jones. They're cutting into Kamara's workload as well as they try to get a spark in their offense late. So we'll see how it plays out, but be patient with Alvin Kamara. 
Now, the other side, you don't have to be patient with Christian McCaffrey. He's the studly stud. He's getting the high volume we wanted, and he's getting in the end zone now as well. He didn't do that in week one. He does it in week two. Great combined yardage day. And DJ Moore seems to be the guy that Sam Darnold really likes, and we thought it would be more about Robbie Anderson, but Anderson was rather quiet, had the long touchdown in week one. DJ Moore getting it consistently done like he always does. He's one of those guys that you look up, the numbers don't seem to be there, but he gets in the end zone here. Very consistent, and uh, really is going to give you that baseline wide receiver two value with some wide receiver one upside every week. So Anderson not getting the love from his uh, former Jets quarterback here in Carolina. You're seeing a lot of that with DJ Moore. So this offense really flowing through two guys, McCaffrey and Moore. They're probably their two game-changing offensive skill players in the open field. So not a surprise there in the Panthers' defense becoming a factor here week in and week out as a potential playmaking unit here that you can look at in fantasy football. All right, let's go from Charlotte to Chicago. And the Bears uh, hold off the Bengals. It was a wild finish there. Joe Burrow, not a very good game overall. Three interceptions. He did have a couple of scores there. Got T. Higgins in the end zone, Jamar Chase in the end zone, and uh, Tyler Boyd also had a solid day leading them in receiving yards. So good PPR, half-point PPR day from Boyd. But Higgins and Chase come through in standard, all formats here once again. Higgins does it a little bit more with volume. Uh, Chase with the big play, uh, broke a tackle, shot himself into the end zone there deep for Joe Burrow. So these receivers are going to get it done. Joe Mixon, we knew it was going to be a little tough against the Bears. The numbers weren't the same that we saw the week before against the Vikings, but Joe Mixon will be fine. He's a guy that you're looking. But these receivers getting it done with Joe Burrow. Reed Burrow's going to be up and down. He's still a young quarterback who missed a lot of his rookie season with a knee injury, so expect those mistakes to happen. Now, speaking of young quarterbacks that are learning and are making mistakes, Justin Fields got a shot here. Andy Dalton got hurt with a knee injury. Unfortunately, he was playing pretty well against his former team. Cincinnati did get Allen Robinson early touchdown, but this Bears passing game... It was nice to see Darnell Mooney wake up a little bit, and that was with Dalton in the game. But Fields did his best, but he still, his strength there is in the running game. Made a mistake there that almost let the Bengals waltz back right in the game late there with Burrow. So Fields has a lot to learn. We know that, and this is why maybe the Bears were right in maybe saying we need to slow play Justin Fields in. But I don't know if they have that luxury anymore. Andy Dalton goes down with a knee injury. You might see Justin Fields here against Cleveland of all teams here in week three, we know that uh, he has the Ohio State connection. We know a lot of Browns fans are also Ohio State fans. So there's going to be a lot of great interest if Fields makes that start as expected here, should Dalton remain on the shelf. But yeah, let's temper our expectations. Robinson got in the end zone, was fine there, and uh, got his uh, value validated. But we got to see a lot more from Robinson here. Maybe it'll get better in this Cleveland matchup and Fields uh, being out there consistently. Mooney was pretty decent. But really, it's hard to extend, and the fields hopefully will also help but David Montgomery in the running game with his zone read uh, capacity here, because they need a spark in the offense. Still underachieving there, but some things that could turn around here with Fields. Just be patient. He's going to give you a nice uh, running floor as a fantasy football quarterback, so we'll see how that plays out. But everything else with Fields' game may be a work in progress here. Speaking of the Browns, uh, they uh, held off the Texans here. Another big wide receiver injury. Odell Beckham Jr. has now missed two straight games with his knee issues. Now Jarvis Landry has a knee issue that's an MCL. So where is Baker Mayfield going to go in this passing game? Well, they used a lot of tight ends. Now, this is frustrating if you have Austin Hooper trying to get some value out of David Njoku. They are Harrison Bryant involved. Using these tight end sets, this is a 12 personnel thing that Kevin Stefanski had going on in Minnesota. 
Well, now they're kind of doing this out of necessity. Anthony Schwartz was also banged up coming to the game, the exciting rookie there that they have. So mixing it between these other receivers, uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones, Richard Higgins. Baker's still producing. He's finding a way to get it done. He ran in a touchdown here to uh, supplement uh, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt on the ground. He also had a nice little passing touchdown as well. So Baker Mayfield can get it done. He's a gamer. He's pretty durable. He's going to find different guys to produce. And keep in mind, Baker was a QB1 last year when OBJ was on the shelf. So Landry might be a different story. You might need him to get open all over the field. But this Browns team is going to have that great offensive line still with Jedrick Wills hurting. They do have a excellent running game. So things are always going to open the passing game for Mayfield. And he looks still very confident. The Bears secondary we know is a little shaky. That's who the Browns get next. So I think uh, Baker can have a good game. I know he's had a couple interceptions here. But... Hopefully he's fully healthy, doesn't have to worry about the shoulder after trying to make a tackle. So Baker's still going to plug away, but yeah, not a lot of Browns wide receiver tight end value we can extract there. So pretty much we can look at Mayfield, maybe have some games. He was a decent streamer, just under 20 points last week, but it's still going to be a lot about Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt here should Landry be on the shelf and uh, OBJ continue to stay on the shelf here in week three. Now for the Texans... It's pretty much the Brandon Cook show. We had uh, Tyrod Taylor looking good against the Browns. Revenge game, second straight week, but then he goes down with a hamstring, and that's hard when you're a mobile quarterback to recover from that. So we'll see short week turnaround here Thursday night against those Panthers we talked about here. So Davis Mills, the rookie from Stanford, might have to make the start here. So that's not good for anything in the Texans' uh, offense. We know Mark Ingram is going to be shut down. They pivoted to Philip Lindsay a little bit more, David Johnson in the passing game. But not a lot there. Nico Collins and Danny Amendola get hurt in this game in the passing game. So Brandon Cooks is going to be your best value here. He's kind of an extension with the bat of the running game as well because you can throw short passes to him. He's a field stretcher, high-volume guy, pretty durable here. So I bet Cooks is going to be targeted a lot here with Davis Mills going forward. He's just a guy that you look to. It's happened with Deshaun Watson. It happened with Taylor. It's going to happen here with Davis Mills. Uh, and he's going to be their only source of reliable offense. You can just scheme him open. He's a hard guy to cover. Cooks is the only Texans fantasy asset at this point. The final game we'll talk about in this segment is the Rams-Colts game. And Rams, you wanted more out of Robert Woods. Well, it's a Cooper Cup show. I mean, Matthew Stafford has only eyes for Cooper Cup at this point. Woods did score in week one. Not as many looks in week two. Didn't get the same big plays developed downfield. But Cooper Cup has been the man. I mean, he just gets open. It's a very good technical route runner. Great hands can finish in the red zone. Now showing some big playability as well. So Stafford Cup, that connection, and DFS, we're going to look for it a lot in stacks here, and we go there. And big development. We knew Daryl Henderson was going to have some injury issues at some point. Here it's a ribs injury. He had to exit. Sonny Michelle came in right away. Looked very good running the ball for the Rams against the Colts. So we'll see if this backfield changes. We'll see how badly Henderson's hurt. It's a different type of injury. It's not a knee or ankle or something that can multiple week keep you out. We'll have to see ribs. It's just how you respond. You have to wear a flak jacket and all that. Otherwise, uh, Sonny Michel might be in there and getting his crack here for key touches for the Rams this week. Tough matchup, however, for the Rams' backs as they face the Buccaneers in that nasty run defense this week. So something to keep in mind. But if Michel's the guy and Henderson's out, then you got to look at him just for pure volume alone. It could be a higher scoring game this week. Now, with the Colts... We're going to see how Carson Wentz uh, ends up here. Ankle injury, what else is new? Something's happened with Carson Wentz here, banged up again. Michael Pittman was their best receiver. I know Zach Pascal scored again. This was three touchdowns in two games. But Pittman, the high volume, 
goes over 100 yards here. Proved his worth that he's profiles as the number one. He's a big target. You can put him in the slot. You put him on the outside. Here, they don't have a lot. They have uh, Jack Doyle, who's getting involved. He's scoring uh, two-point conversions and all that. But look at, at Pittman. He's the receiver to have for the Colts. With T.Y. Hilton down, Pascal's just going to be touchdown dependent. If he doesn't have the touchdown, he doesn't have any good fantasy value there. So Pittman did have plenty of fantasy value getting uh, over 100 yards, very much like that Titans game we saw as a rookie where he had uh, some success there. So, yeah, Pittman is the guy if you're going to try to get someone there. Jonathan Taylor, we want to see a little bit more, but the Colts' uh, offensive line, this running game, struggling a little bit out of the gate. Hopefully that will change here quickly. They do get the Titans this week, so maybe an opportunity for that entire offense to flex its muscles here in week number three. All right, we talked about four games here and uh, broke both out sides of those games for you, the most important takeaways. We still have 10 more to talk about on the show. Hey, fantasy football fans, this is Vinny Iyer with Incredible App. Everyone who buys gas needs to know about it. It's Get Upside. My listeners are making up to 25 cents for every gallon of gas. Every time they fill up, just download the free Get Upside app in the App Store or Google, Pay or Google Play right now. Use the promo code TOUCHDOWN for NFL and get a bonus 25 cents per gallon on your first fill up. That's up to 50 cents cash back. Don't pay fuel price at the pump anymore. Get cash back using Get Upside. Just download the app and use the promo code TOUCHDOWN. That's for us here on the Lockdown Fantasy Football to get up to 50% a gallon cash back in your first tank. Some people will drive a lot or making as much to, as two to $300 a month in cash back and there's no catch. The cash back gets added right to your account. You can cash at any time and you can use your bank account, PayPal, an e-gift card for Amazon or other brands. Just download the free GetUpside app and use the promo code TOUCHDOWN to get up to 50% gallon cash back on your first tank that's touchdown there is the promo code at get upside get upside get cash back on your gas all right let's continue the show looking at the next uh, few games here that we saw the results the broncos and jaguars kind of played out like we expected in jacksonville the broncos in control the backfield still work in progress there's still equal touches between javante williams and melvin gordon didn't have the results here but teddy bridgewater looking good Cortland Sutton, that connection warms up with Jerry Judy on the shelf. Tim Patrick, who's replacing Judy, he found the end zone, as did Noah Fant. So good work by Teddy Bridgewater once again, like he did in Carolina, facilitating their biggest playmakers. At this point, those are Sutton, Fant, and Patrick instead of Judy. So good work there in the passing game. That's been a nice surprise here early in the season coming out of Bridgewater and Denver. We have to see the running game. We need one of these guys to step aside, either Gordon or Williams, to really have a shot here. But... Right now, they're dependent on getting enough key touches, maybe reeling off a big run, or getting in the end zone to really have value here. So, something that's uh, difficult to navigate here with that backfield. Eventually, Javante Williams will get his, but Melvin Gordon, the usage there, and some surprising developments in the Broncos' pass game, limiting how much we really can love Javante Williams. Now, on the Jaguars' side of things, Marvin Jones, pretty solid again, but DJ Chark, we didn't see a lot of him. LaVisca Cheneau doing basically nothing here. Now you're having James Robinson get the chuck checkdowns here. He did significantly get more touches and opportunities than Carlos Hyde. Didn't really do much with it. The Jaguars offense as a whole, the offensive line wasn't very good. He had a good start right away with the Lawrence get throwing a touchdown pass there to Jones, but everything else in the offense was pretty bad. Lawrence really struggled, turned over the ball, couldn't uh, get to 200 yards passing. So, yeah, work in progress with the Jaguars. Try to avoid the Jaguars as much as you can, unless there's a good matchup like we saw in week one against the Texans. This week is not bad. 
But the Cardinals definitely can get after Chandler Jones and J.J. Watt this week. So a little rough. But if they can get something going to the back end, the Jaguars have a chance this week. But yeah, Jaguars with Urban Meyer early with Trevor Lawrence not sending out the vibes you want from your fantasy football offense. The next game was all Bills. They won 35-0 in Miami. Miami sees Tua Tagvola go down early, and really they're all offense on the tag. Miles Gaskin just a flash here, didn't really show much. This Bills defense playing really well. Jen Waddle, tough matchup uh, with his secondary, didn't come through at all, and Tagvola going down for Jacoby Brissett didn't help. So really I want to avoid things in the Dolphins' offense. Do they need a spark? Do they need more Malcolm Brown or Salvin Ahmed to get uh, their running game and uh, backfield production going here? With Gaskin kind of slow out of the gate. We'll have to see how it plays about. But Dolphins, another team we're avoiding here as much as possible. My guess is Gusecki, forget it. There's nothing there. Devontae Parker came and banged up here. Will Fuller, personal issue, did not play even though his suspension was over. So here we go again. Wild ride here. Dolphins, uh, not much to see there. And uh, again, if you can avoid Dolphins, I would do that in the near future. They are playing the Raiders this week. Raiders defense overachieving, by the way. We don't know what's going to happen with Tugbola versus Brissett here in week three either. Now the Bills, uh, Josh Allen still trying to grind away. Did get a touchdown pass, got Stephon Diggs back on track, found him in the end zone. But the running helped with Josh Allen. But the story here, Devin Singletary looked good again. Long touchdown run early to set the tone for this game. Zach Moss... Didn't look very good, but he scored on two short touchdowns. So that was kind of his role last year. Had some red zone opportunities, but Singletary's looked pretty good. I still think this backfield belongs to Singletary a little bit more than Moss. It was good to see Moss being used, but unfortunately that also cut down potential scoring for Josh Allen as a runner. He still was able to get one here and one through the air. But yeah, it's uh, tough with Allen so far. they got to find uh, consistent weapons after digs to produce. He'll be fine. We know that. It's not the easiest spot this week against the Washington football team at home, but you'll get that QB1 high-end value that you expect. It's just very frustrating when you see Patrick Mahomes and Kyler Murray and Lamar Jackson and some of these other guys that draft in the same range, Russell Wilson, producing a little bit higher than uh, Josh Allen. But it'll come. Just be patient. A couple of tough matchups out of the gate in the Steelers and Dolphins. You'll start to get better. Washington, a little tricky, but still manageable. We know... Uh, Daniel Jones was able to have a big combined game, so maybe a chance here at home for him to get going back here in Week 3, Josh Allen. The Patriots-Jets game was pretty much all Patriots here, this other lopsided AFC East game. Mac Jones looked pretty good, got it going, but it's all about the running backs, and now they've gone to their two reliable guys here. They made Ramondre Stevenson, the exciting rookie from Oklahoma, inactive. J.J. Taylor was active, but pretty much as a backup to James White, so... The offense pretty much flowed through those two guys, Damian Harris and James White, pretty easily. We knew the game script was going to be positive. This was really the only game that went exactly to form. The Patriots ran the ball a lot, had Mac Jones protect the ball, just play caretaker, and then let their defense do the rest against yet another rookie quarterback victim. This time it was Zach Wilson. So some developments there. They used Elijah Moore a little bit more. They used Michael Carter here as well. It gave them opportunities. So I think those guys are going to emerge as key cogs in this offense and the Carter and Moore will do that. Dave, Corey Davis, you knew, was going to be the focal point of the Patriots' defense. Just take away him. He was a key target there for Wilson in Week 1. So all that added up to four interceptions for Wilson. Really can't pull him. They don't have anyone. Mike White is the backup. So they're going to let Zach Wilson play out there. But Bill Belichick, the scheme, the offensive line issue for the Jets, all that up badly. So let's hope they just look, say, we're 0-2. Let's get the youngsters in there with Wilson, the fellow rookies, Moore and Carter. Let's let's play them. See what we have. See what we can develop for next year. But 
Corey Davis, things will get better here going forward. The tough matchup this week, however, again, this Broncos team 2-0 has shut down the, the Jaguars this week. They get the Jets at home in their home opener. So uh, took care of the Giants, took care of the Jaguars, now the Broncos get the Jets. So buyer beware there with anything you want to invest in. But Carter and Moore, I think, definitely have demanded more playing time there to complement Davis, especially with uh, Jamison Crowder being phased out of this offense. The next game we go to is 49ers and Eagles in Philadelphia. The 49ers' decision to stay out of practice in the East Coast there paid off. They were in West Virginia. The Greenbrier made the short trip over. Win 17-11, so not very pretty from a fantasy football perspective. Eli Mitchell got in there, but he had a shoulder injury. He had to come out. Trey Sermon waited until very late to get his uh, kind of opportunity in the red zone. He gets a concussion. He gets smacked down on a kind of a dirty play by the Eagles, so... Immediately he goes down, and you also have Jermichael Hasty get hurt in this game with an ankle. So what are the 49ers going to do? Everyone's hurt. Raheem Mostert got hurt promptly. Three backs, three young backs here getting hurt. Two rookies and a second-year guy in Hasty. So we'll have to see what the 49ers do. Jeff Wilson's not quite ready to return here for this backfield. Good luck trying to figure out how this backfield works. But George Kittle was a disappointment in this game, especially against that. Eagles uh, linebacker and safety core without Rodney McLeod. There were some opportunities there. So Jimmy Garoppolo was fine. Debo Samuel was it here. They kind of grinded through this game a little bit. So disappointing for sure with the way the uh, 49ers are operating right now. Brandon Ayuk still blipped. Nothing you can see or trust at this point. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know how the 49ers are getting it done here. They're winning games, but in terms of fantasy, definitely being disappointing with their injury issues continuing to linger here. So, 49ers, other than Kittle and Samuel, maybe a team that we want to not force things out of here until they can get someone who can stay healthy. And the good news about Trey Sermon is the other issue, shoulder could linger and hurt a running back a little bit more, so can ankle. But concussion is more of a linear injury. If he's cleared to go and he's the guy, and they have a little extra time against the Packers, uh, then he's going to be the guy this week, and he's a must-start. So whoever's in that 49ers backfield, somewhat healthy, Maybe the injuries will kind of make Kyle Shannon commit and make a decision there, and we'll see how that goes. But Eagles side, really disappointing. They had a touchdown call back to Jalen Rieger. He stepped out of bounds before he caught it. Not much to see there. Jalen Hurts was getting it done with his legs. He's just a dominant force. He's got that high floor of all those running quarterbacks do, such as Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray. He didn't need a lot. He had one score, but he was the leading rusher there over Miles Sanders. He had a two-point conversion. He pieced together some... Uh, numbers there that work well so he's going to always be high upside because he's running through for a high volume didn't get more than one touchdown in this game but Hurts still getting the job done for fantasy and every week start at this point is Jalen Hurts all right let's uh talk about our last game of the segment it's the Raiders shocking the Steelers so you had two teams from the Bay Area go all the way to Pennsylvania come away with wins here and uh, good tough spots here so the Raiders, the story, Derek Carr continues to deal. He's well over 800 yards passing here in the first two games. Lit up the Ravens, lit up the Steelers. Steelers had a lot of injuries, by the way. T.J. Watt was lost during the game. They also were playing without their middle linebacker, Devin Bush. You also didn't have uh, Joe Hayden in this game. Tyson Alu-Alu, their fine nose tackle, was also lost. So a lot of Steelers' defensive injuries early affecting them, but still great performance on the road. We had uh, Josh Jacobs as an inactive. Peyton Barber didn't look all that great, or Kenny Drake out of the backfield, so that's a situation to avoid. Darren Waller didn't look too bad, but the Steelers did key on him. It opened the door for Henry Ruggs III, so he got the big plays. Now, if we had any doubts on is it Hunter Renfro or Henry Ruggs III, 
or Brian Edwards, who we're going to look at. Ruggs is still the guy. He's got the first-round pedigree. He needs to get some big plays, and he's dependent on that because of his speed, and Derek Carr has to get it to him. But Carr did get it to him here. He was the leading receiver for the Raiders. He looks pretty good, folks. And if Carr continues to deal and Waller tends to open things up downfield, things are going to happen. So Raiders, I think, are still going to be a high-volume passing team. I know John Gruden wants to be this grinding running team, but if Josh Jacobs is not available with multiple injuries, Drake is not looking good, he's more of a change-of-pace receiver hybrid, and Peyton Barber's just being pedestrian, you're going to have to put the ball up. So that's all adding up to things in the Raiders passing game awakening with a red-hot Derek Carr at this point, and they get the Dolphins at home. So a little tougher. Dolphins are better pass defense than run defense, so... Maybe an opportunity for that backfield in a Kenyon Drake revenge game to get going. Maybe Jacobs returns in that one as well. But the Raiders offense looking legit out of the gate and someone we have to deal with here in 2021. All right, let's uh, go to the Steelers. And this is just not looking good. The offensive line has been terrible. Najee Harris got in the end zone. He needed a reception to do that, but the rushing attack wasn't there. So he's definitely getting the volume, but you're concerned about the production here. They just cannot muster a running game. Really hurt them in this one against the Raiders where the Ravens were able to do that. So the offensive line really struggling. Ben Roethlisberger having a turnover. You got the score here, but and uh, you got a decent game. Uh, you also had that weird uh, rushing touchdown on the jet sweep to Juju Smith-Schuster. So Smith-Schuster comes through with an end zone. Deontay Johnson looks pretty good. He got hurt at the end of that game, so we'll see what happens with him and his status. Chase Claypool looked pretty good. So at least Roethlisberger was able to facilitate. I would expect a little bit more of their passing game individually. I expected more definitely about Harris in the running game. So touchdowns kind of saved the day a little bit for the Steelers, but still an offense trying to find its way. Maybe the Bengals defense at home back here at 1-1 uh, one one is going to help the Steelers after they beat the Bills in week one, not a lot of firepower. They lose the Raiders here with limited scoring in week number two. All right, we still have five more games to talk about here. The takeaways from week two NFL Sunday from a fantasy football perspective. That's how we do it here. Round up Monday, straight nonsense to the point. No nonsense to the point. That's what we do on Lockdown Fantasy Football, and we will continue to do that here in a moment. But I do have to remind you about Direct TV Stream. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live. I love to let you stream your favorite shows. You're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friends logging for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you have without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream and brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion. Get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. This episode of Locked on Fantasy Footballs were also brought to you by Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar ever. It's a protein bar that tastes like a dessert. What's your favorite Built Bar flavor? The only way you can find out is to tap into one of their many delicious flavors. they got nine core flavors, coconut, coconut almond, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, salty caramel, to name a few. There's something for everyone. I love the ones with chocolate upon chocolate because all the Built Bars you get are 100% chocolate covered, soft and easy to chew. And the best way to get into what your favorite Built Bar flavor is to get a mix box where we get two each of nine flavors. We can try all of them there. The Built Bar flavors are the best tasting, but they're healthy for you too. They have 17 to 80 grams protein in every bar, 130 to 180 calories only, 4 to 5 grams sugar, 4 to 5 grams net carbs. Nine amazing core flavors, all tasty, all healthy. Also look out for those special flavors as well. All you have to do to get in on Built Bars, go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCK15. You'll get 15% off your first order. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off 
at BuiltBar.com. All right, let's get through the final five games here of Sunday, and we're in the late window, the late afternoon's action, all the way through Sunday night. The Vikings and Cardinals, what a game this was for fantasy football. Kirk Cousins uh, getting it done and didn't turn over the ball as much as I thought with the offensive line holding up there against this good Cardinals pass rush. So the Vikings should have won the game, but they missed that last second field goal attempt there with uh, Joseph, their young kicker. So the Cardinals escape with the victory here. The Vikings, uh, Justin Jefferson getting the job done here with Adam Thielen. What else is new? But K.J. Osborne emerged a little bit. So if they're using a little bit more 11 personnel, they might be forced to doing that. The Tyler Conklin's their only healthy tight end with uh, Kyle Rudolph gone to the Giants. Irv Smith on the shelf for the season. So maybe using Osborne a little bit more. We've talked about Ola B.C. Johnson, some other people like that, trying to find a, the Vikings third receiver. But Osborne leads the team in receiving here. Justin Jefferson looked good. Thielen salvaged his day with a touchdown. So definitely the Cardinals secondary has enough holes where he can involve a third receiver. So it could have been matchup-based. But Osborne did look pretty good, making some big plays. So... I think he'll be a guy that they might try to evolve a little bit more. That could hurt Jefferson and Thielen's value a little bit. But, again, I think they need a third target to uh, pop up here for the Vikings. Now, Osborne's not going to do that every week. We know it. But he's someone on the radar that you have to look in on deeper leagues. Now, Dalvin Cook, we'll see. He had an ankle sprain late in the game. Is it going to be Alexander Madison time this week against the Seahawks? We'll have to monitor that. But that is definitely a bit of concern coming out of Week 2. The Vikings are 0-2. We'll see how they can rebound, but their offense is fine. Great matchup against the Seahawks next week to keep up the high scoring. And they've really come out of the gate, at least from a fantasy football perspective, really putting up numbers here, facing a weak defense as Bengals, Cardinals overall, and another one there in the Seahawks in week three. Now the Cardinals, Kyler Murray was a fantastic. He threw a lot of sloppy balls, however. Got picked, threw a pick six, but he's going to get it done with his running. Had a game game where he took off and running into the end zone, so he scored there. He got DeAndre Hopkins in for an early touchdown. He facilitated Rondell Moore. Rondell Moore could have had two TDs here, but one deep shot touchdown there to Moore. They also did a little flip pass to him, so they're using him a little bit like Brandon Cooks was early in his career for his various teams. Just a cog you want to get the ball in the hands of. So we talk about Rondell Moore and Christian Kirk, who had more value. Christian Kirk certainly can be special, but looking more... He's a speedster. He's a gadget player. We saw the long touchdown. Guy that can get in the open field. So Moore can cut into what Christian Kirk does. He can cut into what Chase Edmonds does. Another hybrid, versatile open field player. But they clearly love Moore. They want to get him. Moore looks here in key situations. He's a matchup nightmare for a lot of teams here. And we saw that come to fruition. So I think you'll be seeing more of Rondell Moore be a factor complimenting Dreande Hopkins. Chase Edmonds is fine, solid. He's not going to be high upside, but he's going to be out there. Kyler Murray, what else is new? Lighting it up and uh, doing it with his arm and legs while healthy here in 2021. We go to the Falcons-Bucks game, and uh, we'll start with the Falcons. Uh, they throw two pick sixes for Matt Ryan here. So Ryan not looking good reality-wise. He did rebound fantasy-wise with a couple of passing touchdowns. One went to Cordero Patterson. One went to Calvin Ridley. So a lot of turnovers there for the Falcons offense. Mike Davis not getting it done. So Cordero Patterson, their change of pace, a wide receiver hybrid, return guy. He's getting involved quite a bit in this offense as a pass catcher, a guy that can, can create mismatches in his own with his uh, size and speed. And they need somebody there to step up with Davis just not getting the job done. And we knew it was going to be really hard for Davis against the Bucks, but they use Patterson, get the change of pace, get him out in the open field. 
He scores a couple touchdowns this game, one on the ground, one in the air. Just no answers the Bucks had for him. So Patterson has earned himself more of work in this offense. He also had Russell Gage get hurt in this game. So that could also mean more touches for Patterson to complement Calvin Ridley. He looked really good, found the end zone, but didn't have a big yardage day. The Bucks kind of keyed on him a little bit. Kyle Pitts looked like the number one pick for them, the tight end. They moved him around a little bit better in this game. So Arthur Smith's still getting the feel of this offense. Matt Ryan doesn't have the greatest line. The running game is very inconsistent traditional-wise. So a lot of uh, piecemeal scattershot uh, production there from the Falcons. Again, it, Arthur Smith and this influence has been uh, very limited so far. The results, we could expect a lot more. Now, there's nothing wrong with Bruce Arians, Byron Leftwich, and Tom Brady. Brady just keeps throwing. You would love to have Leonard Fournette or Ronald Jones get an opportunity to score a short touchdown. No, it's just a little short dump flip passes to Rob Gronkowski. Another multiple touchdown game for Gronkowski. All he does is score touchdowns, but the Bucks score a lot of touchdowns. They're in that position often for Gronk to spike it for Tom Brady. So Gronk needs to be in her lineup every week. Antonio Brown, we knew there was going to be some quiet days if he wasn't the guy targeted for big plays. Well, they didn't need him as much because they moved it methodically there you had uh, Gronk dominate, Mike Evans get back in the end zone and do his thing. Chris Godwin scored. So someone's always going to be the odd man out. In week one, it was Mike Evans in that Trayvon Diggs matchup. When it's a juicy matchup like this, when Evans and Godwin and Gronk can do whatever they want, then you're going to see a limitation for Brown. But that's just you just have to roll with it with the Bucks. There's a lot of mouths to feed here with Brady. They're all at a high level. I wouldn't extend to the extra tight ends. If I'm going with one back, it's definitely Fournette over the others. Here, clearly with the touches and the distribution there, Fournette well over both uh, Ronald Jones and Gio Bernard here. But Brady, start him every week at this point. The keys to a very exciting offense. A lot of guys that score in the red zone, they throw quite a bit in those situations. So don't worry about he's not getting a lot of volume and throwing all that with the Bucks dominating. He's still throwing for touchdowns. It's kind of what he did with the Patriots. So he's a front-running passer. It doesn't really matter. They're not going to just punch the ball in. They're going to trust Brady to get the ball into short touchdown passes. And we saw that multiple times with Evans and Gronkowski with their big catch radius here for the Bucks. All right, let's go to the Cowboys. Tony Pollard showed up here. And so much for the Cowboys ignoring their backfield. They pivoted here. They had to. Uh, Mari Cooper and uh, CeeDee Lamb had their moments in the games against the Chargers. But that's where you attack the Chargers. They're weak up front, a little bit smaller. Use the offensive line. I know they didn't have Lyle Collins on this game. They didn't have Zach Martin back. But the Cowboys kind of won the line of scrimmage here. And a lot of Elliott and a lot of Pollard. They used Pollard as a change of pace. They still gave Elliott the majority of the touches here. A good 75%. But Pollard came in and was very effective. Out of the backfield with catching passes here. And uh, just zooming past his defense. So maybe Pollard has a bit of standalone value here. It just depends on the matchup here. The Eagles, uh, when you look at the opponent this week, a little bit more vulnerable in the running game than uh, the passing game, maybe. So maybe an opportunity for Pollard to compliment Elliott. Pollard has a bigger game than Elliott, which uh, makes people upset. But Elliott was still involved. He got the early touchdown there and also used in the passing game in his own right. Now, if the Cowboys had played from ahead the whole way, I think when you had a wire-to-wire situation, they played the matchups a little bit more with Pollard. What you need the Cowboys to do is to get a lead so Elliott is in getting those touches. But Hopefully you do have Pollard behind Elliott, because if Elliott goes down, Pollard is going to have a massive role and be very productive like we saw last season when Elliott missed time. All right, let's look at the Chargers. Justin Herbert is distributing individually, he's struggling a little bit, but he's getting the ball to Keenan Allen and 
Mike Williams and Jared Cook uh, for the plays. Uh, Cook didn't see as much. They uh, included some Donald Parham Jr. there getting involved in the passing attack. So the principles are getting it done. It's not as pretty as you want, but Mike Williams looks really good. He plays the X. They pointed this out on the broadcast a lot with Troy Aikman. A very key role in the past offensive iterations with Joe Lombardi, wherever he's been. New Orleans, that X receiver, getting open, isolated on the outside. Williams looks good. He's healthy. He's got a little burst to his game. He's got big body there. Really playing well off Keenan Allen and uh, Jared Cook in the passing game and Austin Eckler as well with the size uh, differential there between those two. So good results from the Chargers overall. We just want a little bit more out of Herbert as the main distributor. And, and we may get a big-time shootout this week with the Chargers playing the Chiefs. Let's go to uh, Tennessee and Seattle. The Titans shocked the Seahawks. They went in overtime, came back late against the, the Seahawks, and really was fueled by Derrick Henry. They stuck with him this week. That was the big difference from the blowout against the Cardinals is that they didn't just go and kind of say we're going to pass and do our best here. Julio Jones looked good. I said I wanted to see it before I would believe it. He missed out on that touchdown. That might have changed his value of the day. He's still very solid, over 100 yards. Not a great development for A.J. Brown because he's a guy that uh, we expected to be the number one. He was quieter here. The Seahawks had some attention on Brown. So it opens things up for Julio. He looked actually pretty good in this one. Seahawks, I think, defense just stinks in general, stopping uh, pass catchers, and it's still an issue with their secondary. So something to watch out for with the Seahawks. He's a product, product of this matchup here. So we'll see. Drones, again, one of his better games he's had in a long time here, even going back to the Falcons days. We'll see, but uh, Brown very quiet. I don't think there's room for maybe two of these guys to produce. Ryan Tannehill not playing very well here. So Derrick Henry, the hammer, is back. They're going to keep feeding him, getting a little bit more work in the passing game than we thought, staying out there in hurry-up situations when trailing, and getting the ball on the ground to finish drives as well when trailing. So good overcorrection, making sure they didn't take Henry out of the game plan in any sense. He's the main man here, uh, Jones. Brown, we're going to have to examine the matchup a little more closely, but... Tannehill not getting it done. I don't know if I love the Tannehill matchup against the Colts this week. Even though the Colts have given up some numbers, I'm not uh, totally sold on uh, Tannehill, especially after two dud to fantasy football games with Henry going off in this particular one. Seahawks in defeat. Russell Wilson got it going. Tyler Lockett, another massive game. So two straight blocks of games for Lockett. A quiet game for DK Metcalf. So detention's going on Metcalf. Lockett is special. We've seen that with Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. It just happens. Uh, Robert Woods getting attention there for the Rams and Cooper Cup getting the open looks and all that. So that's what's happening with Tyler Lockett. Taking advantage of a great matchup. You also have Freddie Swain coming to the mix and make some big plays. So a little bit of concern there that someone else is cutting into the mix where we knew it was all Metcalf and Lockett. So be patient with Metcalf. He's still a superior talent. He's going to have his big games. But Lockett managers are really enjoying what they're seeing from Seahawks. Chris Carson not necessarily rolling on the ground here. He's more of an offer afterthought complimentary but scoring touchdowns here without Rashad Penny he's in your lineup every week as well Russell Wilson locked in hot start I don't know if he's going to cool down this year folks I mean the Seahawks defense a little questionable Wilson in a great offense distributing and making big plays there in the end so the principles for the Seahawks come through just be patient with Metcalf and again if you're targeting a buy low candidate and somebody wants to move Metcalf this is time to go after him for sure after two quieter games in relation to Lockett for the Seahawks offense. Finally, we end up on Sunday Night Football. The Chiefs-Ravens. What a game that was. Going back and forth. Everyone was happy if you had fantasy football. Except maybe for Mark Andrews. Folks uh, didn't get exactly what they were looking for. He's still quite involved and pretty solid. But Travis Kelsey goes off. Tyreek Hill looks good here. Tyreek Hill didn't have that usual typical big play. But 
that we saw. But Hill and Kelsey getting the job done here with Mahomes. One guy not getting the job done for the Chiefs, Clyde Edwards-Alaire. He loses a fumble. Was not very effective running the ball before then. So Chiefs not in a position where they're running very effectively. This is the way you had to attack the Ravens. Pass, pass, pass. So they need a better matchup there for Clyde Edwards-Alaire on the ground to be productive and stick with it. They're caught into pass-happy mode with Mahomes. They can do that with Andy Reid quite a bit here. But Edwards-Alaire needs to secure the ball. We need to see a few more checkdowns from Patrick Mahomes. It just doesn't happen there too much. Here he's always looking for the big play. So a lot of developments there. But Clyde Edwards-Alaire looking questionable. He also had the touchdown go to Daryl Williams on the ground there. He's their reliable red zone finisher. So we'll see what happens with this fumble late in the game. and cost them the game with CEH. So we'll see how that plays out going forward. But certainly a big fantasy football disappointment. We just want to get an RB2 value at this stage. And that means getting the ball and being more effective with it when running it. More so than receiving it as a checkdown's not in the vocabulary right now, Patrick Mahomes. So, Kelsey, what can you say? He's just dominant. He's awesome. He's going to make big plays. That touchdown where he blew through all those guys, amazing. Again, this is why he was uh, a very popular, even first-round pick at a luxury position at tight end. Now, Mark Andrews needs to come through a little bit more. Maybe he's feeling a little bit of pressure of the contract. Maybe also the attention is there for Mark Andrews and teams trying to contain him, knowing he's the guy. That's opening things up for Marquise Hollywood-Brown. Second straight big game, goes over 100 yards, receiving on top of uh, getting that long touchdown off the jump pass from Lamar Jackson. So Lamar finally figured out the Chiefs. He looked very good. Ran, as usual, got over the 100-yard mark here. The backfield of Latavius Murray had the touchdown, but you're still seeing Jackson kind of dominate this rushing attack for the Ravens, and things will open up eventually the way Brown is playing. They're going to get uh, more receiving help. They do have Sammy Watkins right now as a good compliment to Brown, but it can only get better when Rashad Bateman's out there, the rookie first-round pick. He's going to help also with certain routes to open up a- Andrews, so all the attention's not on him either. But, yeah, the Ravens offense, you got to be pleased. Two two weeks, big games. You just want more, a little bit out of Mark Andrews here, a little bit more reliability on whoever's going to be the main person out of the backfield. But Lamar looks good. They get the Lions in week three, so enjoy that one, folks. Get all your Ravens in for that brilliant... Uh, Lions matchup there that uh, you're going to dominate with Lamar. So Lamar is probably going to be number one on the fantasy football rankings here for week number three at quarterback, uh, given that atrocious, atrocious defense that Aaron Rodgers is going to rip apart on Monday night to end week two. All right, so there's a breakdown. The takeaways most important from both sides of every game here in week number two, Sunday NFL action. Again, good luck if you've got players going in the Monday night game there against the the Packers and the Lions. A lot of good assets there, including the big three for the Packers. Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Jones, and Devontae Adams. A little bit of Robert Tunyon on the other side. A little bit of DeAndre Swift, Jamal Williams, and TJ Hawkinson. So still a lot of good stuff. We'll talk about that game uh, briefly on tomorrow's show before we get into the waiver wire there. We'll uh, do that on our Pickup Tuesday. Betting on the NFL doesn't have to be a guessing game if you listen to the new Locked on Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow Locked on Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you get your podcasts. This has been another edition of Locked on Fantasy Football to open another week here. It's Roundup Monday. Again, pick up Tuesday looking at the waiver wire editions that you need to target there. Then we'll do a double dose of matchup, matchup Wednesday, matchup Thursday, breaking down all the games front end and the back end of week three, and then we'll close it looking at DFS, 
their DraftKings and FanDuel, the target players that we were looking for, the core players, injury updates, and what we saw on TNF. This is the progressive podcast we call Locked on Fantasy Football every week. That's how we do it. We're in it for another week. See you next time. Good luck in your fantasy football closing matchups here tonight here in week number two.